This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. I've got a chat with the late and great Andy Gill from Gang of Four to share with you. Now, this chat has been available via the Scars and Guitars podcast app since January of 2019, but since the great man has passed on, I figured that I needed to get my act together and repost it here on YouTube for you people to listen to because that is where the majority of the audience listens to the Scars and Guitars podcast. So here it is. Now, why is Andy Gill important? Andy Gill, apart from being the guitarist in Gang of Four and inventing an entirely different style of post-punk whilst he was in the group, he's a guitar innovator. Okay, so he's influenced countless number of musicians and bands. We talk about quite a lot of that throughout this conversation, but think Paige Hamilton from Helmet, the guys in Fugazi, and of course, probably more recently, the more popular outfit that's achieved acclaim using a lot of his techniques, if you like, is Block Party. So maybe not that recently, but in the last sort of 20 years or so. Andy did pass away on February 1st, 2020 at the age of 64 due to a respiratory illness. So he certainly, his absence is being felt, no doubt about that. Something else about Andy, he is an acclaimed producer. He worked with Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Jesus Lizard. There's that band again, been listening to them a lot lately. Apparently he did some work with Killing Joke, The Stranglers, Therapy, the group from Ireland whose album Trouble Gum I listened to back to front back in the day, and also The Future Heads. So there's another interesting tidbit in here about his relationship with Gail Ann Dorsey, who went on to be David Bowie's longtime bassist. And he's really the fellow that introduced it to introduced Gail to David, and you'll hear that story in this chat. So here he is, the late great Andy Gill from Gang Four. I'm not sure what's going on with the times there, but uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, regardless. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it, if um, I was expecting somebody, you know, according to the schedule that he sent me. Um, I suppose, oh God, I don't know. Uh, that was. That's that's cool. If you've got there. if you've got other things on, I'll just let John know that we can reschedule if that's <coughs> if that's okay. If that works for you. Well, I'll tell you what. Why, why don't we? Um, why don't we talk for a bit, and then we can, you know. Yeah. If you've got to, if you've got to head out, um, we can we can do some more tomorrow or something if you want. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, well, look, it's um, needless to say, man, I've been a fan for a long time. Okay, so when yeah. the opportunity came up to have a chat, I was I was really really happy and pleased because yeah. um, God, who was I talking to? Mark Burgess from the Chameleons not too long ago. So we we do get. Uh, yeah a lot of bands of your rilk coming down here these days. And uh, I spoke to Bez from Happy Mondays as well. So there's a lot of really mm. great British, iconic British artists that are coming down here these days. And it's such a great thing because when was, when was the last time you were in Australia? Um, God, I've forgotten. Um, I know it was, you know, it feels like uh, two or three years ago, but I'm sure it was a lot, lot yeah. longer. Yeah. Um, it's That's the way um, time goes. But, um, yeah, no, we're we're absolutely looking forward to to, to come to coming back, you know, um, mm. um, and it'll be, I think it's yeah, it's the first time in Australia for new singer Jayla, okay, um, so you know it's going to be a great experience for him. Yeah, um, Thomas Thomas was playing bass last time we were there. Mm-hmm. Thomas has been playing bass for ten years. 
so i mean obviously we're we're doing um entertainment um the because uh, it's 40 years old um this year um but we're also playing things good the, the the new album is called happy now and that's coming out in uh march and we'll be playing a few songs from that as well and some stuff uh, from the intervening years you know yeah well one of one of the probably my favorite cut of yours um and I've only just recently discovered this as I looked on Wikipedia, but don't fix what ain't broke. Was actually a chart, oh, yeah. was a chart success in the US. I didn't know that, but the, the, oh, yeah. one of the key reasons I liked it because I'm a bass player. It was mm. one of the first times within that sort of music that I'd really heard prominent bass. And mm-hmm. prominent bass, it actually reminded me a lot of the way Bernard Edwards from Chic approached his playing. And um, yeah. And I'm just reading here now that it was it was Gail Ann Dorsey who who played bass in there, but yeah. I actually thought it was you at the time, right? What? You, right, right. Because because right. yeah. you're very in sync. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, uh, yeah. there's um, you know, Gang of Four has always been has always been really tight, you know, and that's it's mm. one of the um, um, you know, from from any era, it you know, it's always really important that the, the drums and the bass and the guitar lock together. Um, and uh, I mean, and Gail uh, is a, you know amazing instrumentalist, she's a brilliant bass player and and guitarist. She's a brilliant bass player, hmm. and uh, you know, an extraordinary voice, of course, as well. Um, as anybody who's who's heard, um, you know, under the, pressure, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, with the Bowie years. Yeah, was that you who who gave the introduction to David to for Gail? Uh, well, um, kind of. I mean, David, uh, kind of. Yeah, I mean, he um, he was very very aware of her, and um, uh, so I, I think um, you know, Gail didn't have a choice really when. Um, when, um, <laughs> when, when when David picked up the phone, I think that was the done deal. Yeah. Well, actually, she. Um, I had a good chat um, to the bassist from Living Colour. Okay, and he was right. offered something similar. I think in the um, in the mid eighties. So I think it was, or maybe it was the late eighties. I think he might have played on a solo album. And uh, there's that story. It's out. This is public knowledge. It's in there. Uh, it's been spoken about on some some. Yeah, videos on YouTube and all the rest of it by the band themselves. But I think, um, oh, no, it wasn't David, sorry, it was bloody, I'm getting my bands mixed up. I'm getting my Rolling Stones right. and my David Bowie's mixed up. My apologies. God, that's a shocker. How could I get yeah, those yeah. two mixed up? Yeah, sorry. Mm. The whole point's redundant, so I'll just stop it right there. <laughs> I'll okay. stop it right there. But uh, <laughs> look, the other thing about your music, and I, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that the bio actually talks about this, okay, but I specifically remember when I heard Block Party and I thought, guys, come on. Okay, this is pretty obvious what's going on here. You, it's, mm. it's, it seemed to me at the time like a, I'm not going to say a rip-off because I think there is some a vein of originality through their music, but when you heard bands like Block Party and even to a lesser extent the guys in Fugazi come out with their music, could you, hear mm. your, could, you hear, could you actually hear yourself on that music? Was it really obvious to you as well as it was to someone like me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean... There's, um, I mean, it was a bit funny because um, Block Party, when they the first album came out, they they uh, you know journalists said, oh, yeah, um, you seem to be um, quite influenced by Gang of Four, 
and they came up with some sort of story that actually no they weren't really aware of gang of four but they had heard the record just as they were mixing their record or something i don't know um uh, and i think fugazi are fairly open about hmm. uh the, the gang of four influence but um there's there's a, a lot of it about basically well, the other thing was, um, I, I didn't know this either until I was preparing for our conversation, but you produced, I believe, or you, you mixed, or you had a lot to do with the first Chili Peppers album. Now, I can hear, as I think anybody who's a musician can hear a lot of your work in John Frusciante's work, but I had no idea that Halil Slovak, I mean, it's obvious now that I might join the dots, but Halil must have been um, a bit of a sponge when you were giving him advice or when you were talking to him in the studio, is, is that the case or was it a bit different? Well, actually, what, what happened there, the, the, the lineup at that point um, was um, um, Jack Sherman was playing guitar on that first album, oh, right. not Hillel. Okay. Pe- people get this wrong, but it was, um, it was Jack Sherman was playing guitar and there was obviously Flea and Anthony Um and um yeah no no i i i produced it and um yeah. it was quite an entertaining experience yeah yeah did flea still have his australian accent at that time because you know he's born here he's born in melbourne yeah no i do i do know i think he's got a i think he's got a house in australia doesn't he i think uh i think just quietly spends a lot of time here because he's he posted something recently where his grandmother unfortunately passed away and it mentioned melbourne right. which is a suburb down there in melbourne i'm, I'm in queensland yeah. and so a couple of states yeah. away from me but I, I think he must still spend a lot of time here there were rumors that people would see him walking down the main street of ulladulla from time to time which is a on the south yeah. coast of new south wales um and uh, and I think that was confirmed during a couple of Australian interviews when he said he had a holiday house there. So I mean, you can understand God, you'd want to get out of the rat race that is California from time to time. And what a bet, what better place to come yeah. than the South Coast of New South Wales, especially if you've got absolutely. family here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yes, he talked about you know Australia. I, I remember at the time he talked about Australia, um, and then when I met him more recently. Uh, in the, over the last ten years, he he um, he gave he gave me an, uh, his number, and it was an it was an Australian number. There you go. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. There you go. Another another bassist that I think has been very strongly influenced by your work is um, David from the band Jesus Lizard, and I think you worked with yeah. them as well. So what was that? What was the album that you worked with those guys on? Um, it's called Blue. I think yeah, it's called Blue. Um, and, um, yeah, they're, they're great guys. You know, I, I loved working with them in Chicago, hmm. um, and doing that album. Um, it was, uh, yeah, a lot of fun and, um, um, and they're great, amazing live. Have you ever seen them live? I haven't. No, I thought they'd broken up actually, but um, God well, they said. did. They've just recently, in the last six months, they've been doing a lot of playing actually. Okay. So uh, I don't know where I don't know where they've been playing, but uh, uh, yeah, I really like them. Dwayne, the the guitar. Oh, Dwayne Dennison, yeah, from Tomahawk yeah. as well. He was in, in that band as well. Yeah, yeah, he's phenomenal. Well, I can hear your elements, echoes of your playing and his playing too. It's that. It's that. Let's get. All of let's get as much energy, and it's not. I was about to say sustain. It's not sustain. It's like the way I feel as though you've approached guitar playing is like every note's really important, 
So yeah. attack it and make sure that it makes a point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very hard to very hard to copy you, mate. I was just working with my band last night, and we're trying to get uh, the guitarist. He's a pretty good guitarist, by the way. But you know the song "New Sensation" by NXS. Yes, I. This is my own theory. I don't think Andrew Ferris played that. I could be completely wrong. I think it was Noel yeah. Rogers that did that because it's just it's. I'm a guitarist too, and it's too bloody hard to get on to get right yeah. on. Yeah. I've yeah. tried to play yeah. along. To uh, some you're, you're, you're probably right. I mean. You know, I mean, Nile Rogers is a phenomenal guitarist and he can do the really difficult stuff that us mere mortals can't do, you know. Um, hmm. So, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Well, your playing reminds me of his a little bit. You know, I can hear the, I can yeah. hear the similarities. Is that, is that a fair co- comparison, do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, 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 the guitar stuff that I like um, and that has kind of coloured the way I approach it, was primarily Hendrix because uh, you know as as a as a young teenager uh, I was all over Hendrix and then um, but then the other but then there's the exact opposite which is that very very tight funky kind of stuff like mm. on Stax Records with uh, Steve Cropper mm. uh, you know that and I think Steve Cropper is the uh, antecedent of Nile Rodgers. Um, which is that, you know, kind of knowing your chords and playing it in a really clipped, funky way. Um, so, uh, which is kind of the opposite of Hendrix, you know. Um, but mm. both of those things, both of those things are sort of important to me. Um, the, you know, the, the, the funky groove and the wild feedback stuff, you know, they, they both really have a, a part uh, to play for me. Where, where did you get your ideas for the rhythms and the grooves? Because it, it sounds like I'll place a bet and say that you didn't labour over it at all. It comes to you very naturally. It's just a part of your inner rhythm. But it sounds a lot like you spent tens of hours getting it right because it's, mm. it's it's perfect. Like when I listen to it as a musician and I think, what would I do anything? What would I do differently here? And don't get me wrong, I'm not that great a musician, but I often mm. critique music that way because it's part of my job as an indie journalist to do that. But yeah. when I listen to your material, like with Niles, like with the guys in Living Colour, I think I just leave it. It's actually all there. You've, mm. you've done everything that could be done, given the given the the the, the chords that you've chosen to carry mm. the melody. So just mm. yeah, it's it's pretty much it's it's. I feel the same way about Depeche Mode's music, or especially their uh, their mid period. I call it around Ultra. They really got it right yeah. around there. But is that my, my comments about your music? Is that is that true? Is it all just very natural for you, or do you have to really work at it? Um. Well, uh, I think it is fairly natural for me, and I do, I do very much think in a, in in a, in a rhythmic kind of way. It's often the it's often the starting point for something. Will be some kind of beat that, um, uh, and and very often the the the, the tracks that uh, that I'm drawn to that from by other people uh, are very often the more rhythmic kind of things. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, early days of going before, of course, um, you know, so I'd, I'd, I'd be saying to, to Hugo, um, well, you should put the put the snare on, on the three and a half. Yes. Uh, yeah. Put, you know, put, put the hi-hat here, put the open hi-hat there. And he'd be like, what the fuck do you know? What, 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 why am I going to take direction from you? So <laughs> we'd, um, we'd just argue it out. I mean, he... Mm. I think left to his own devices, Hugo would do kind of straight rock beats. But I was, 
determined that they would be uh for me it was like starting to write a new language you know i didn't want to take off the shelf drum beats um i wanted to work from the ground up and to very carefully play place different beats in different you know in, in wherever it was in the bar hmm. uh and so you know you got these uh you know but but i wanted it to be you know a groove and uh, and, and funky and to uh not just last yeah a couple of months, but but to keep going through the song you know and that's what gives that kind of mesmerizing driving uh feel to it you can dance to your music i'm sure you've gotten that feedback plenty but god i, I know i've done it um yeah yeah, yeah. You, i know exactly what you're saying about Hit the open the snare on three three and three and a half. I I totally get that. God, I've tried to work with so many drummers and have those not that specific conversation, but yeah, work on the half beats. Actually, anticipate the beat. And on this bit here, you want to be slightly behind it, but slightly behind the beat. But because they're not, yeah. it's not I'm not a technical person, so I have to use I have to demonstrate it either get behind the kit myself and do it, or or demonstrate it by being like using a lot of syncopation on the guitar or the bass to prove the point. But yeah, um, yeah, and I think maybe subconsciously I've taken a lot of that from you guys and from Chic, as well. Yeah, um, it's yeah. it's hard it's hard to find musicians who really get that. I was talking to Ronnie Francois. You might have heard of him. He's a bassist. He's born born in the UK, but he was in a Australian band called Eurogliders. Yeah, Fab- oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, Eurogliders. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fabulous bass player. Yeah, check out. Um, from, to prove my, my point, uh, I had a conversation yeah. with him and he was sort of laughing along with me because he knew what I was talking about, similar what the conversation we're having here. But the song um, Heaven, he does it all by himself on the bass where he's bringing the beat slightly forward with some of the um, some of the uh, the hammer-ons that he's doing with the slapping and the popping right. of the bass. Right. And it just brings the song to life. And that point was proven when many years later the, the singer of the band decided to re-record the track without any of that wonderful bass line and the song fell apart. And Right. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? It's this, this really important emphasis on the cadence of the beat and without it the music just does not work. doesn't work and, it, and it's something, just to reiterate the point, it's something that you yeah. understand intuitively. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool, mate. Sven, I, I feel like I could talk for a lot longer. I'm, I'm apologies for the uh, for the mix up here, but look, it's uh, it's a it's really thrilling to finally chat to you. I've been listening to your music a long time, as I've explained, and I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly I've got two kids these days, so it's very hard to get out and watch bands <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. on top of everything else. But if there's a band I'm going to come and see, mate, it's you guys. Well, thanks very much. Thanks very much, and uh, I, I hope you can make it. Um, despite the kids uh so <laughs> you know uh and if you want to if you want to chat anymore like tomorrow whatever just get in touch with john yeah um but um uh if 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 we don't it's been good talking to you no worries is, is there any aspect of your career that that you don't feel has been covered and you'd like to have a talk about because i've got a podcast series and i do a lot of writing and it gets syndicated and sent sent places so if there's any aspects of your career that that haven't been covered just let me know, mate. We'll um, have a good chat about it. Yeah, I mean, the, possibly, you know, I mean, the the, the current album is kind of very fresh in my mind. Um, so, if you wanted to talk about the current album, Happy Now, Happy Now, um, oh, Pledge Music. Yeah, I mean, there's I've got a whole list of questions <laughs> I planned on asking, but it's yeah. uh, it's it's always hard for me when I because I've done almost 400 of these interviews now, and when I talk to an artist mm-hmm. who I've been directly influenced by 
tend to disregard mm. the questions and ask my own personal questions like I've done. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean the two the two look the tour I think will be very well attended. By the way, there's a lot of serious musicians that are very much looking forward to you. Um, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of regular punters who just like rock and pop music are going to come along too. But I, I think you understand my point. You're 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 a, you're a mu- you're a musician yourself, and you're a band that really appeals to musicians. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. really true. Yeah, yeah wonderful. Yeah. All right, mate. No worries. Thank you yeah, very much. So, yeah, yeah. If, you know, if if you want to do um, a podcast thing, you know, in the next day or two, that's absolutely fine too. It's up to you. Okay, mate. Well, look, what I'll do is I'll just reach out. I'll reach out to John. I'll just ask him, and then did you want me to reach out to him, or just want me to hit you up on Skype? Um, reach out to him because that he's kind of got an overview of of what time I can do things. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Although he does seem to get things wrong as well sometimes. <laughs> By an hour, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll uh, just... not, not your, not, not your fault. Not your fault. No worries, mate. All right. Well, uh, yeah, genuine chat. Just uh, thrilled to chat to you, and hopefully we chat again real soon. Cheers, mate. Okay, then. All Catch right. you. Bye for now. Bye. Well, there you have it. A conversation with Andy Gill passed away in 2020 and he is sadly missed a guitar legend no doubt okay if you like that chat you might like to listen to many more which are available on scars and guitars or even this youtube app if that's where you're consuming it via but uh, go across to the website because there's some other really cool things there for you too so i've written a book conversations from the world of hard rock heavy metal and beyond its title is scars and guitars volume one click the link in the banner and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice and you know the rest download a sample and if you do complete the purchase just hit me up because i want to thank you personally as plenty of people have now there's some more information to share with you about the book but before i do i'll bid you a farewell my name is andrew mckay smith and i'm the host of this show this scars and guitars podcast until next time it's a goodbye for now This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, 
then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldina. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book. <laughs>